Hello everyone. How are we doing out there? I hope you are all safe and well. I want to give a shout out to our men and women in uniform and our first responders. We really appreciate the work that you're doing out there. Stay safe and stay well. Granny Burger. Yes, she was the matriarch of the family. Big Mama. Although we never called her that, she was still the leader of the family. She was always on the move from sun up to sundown. I can remember there were only two television programs that she stopped everything to watch. One was Jeopardy because she always liked Trivial Pursuit. And the other was Perry Mason. She said she could sniff out that criminal before Perry ever could. <laughs> she would tell us back in her days, she followed Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Booker T. Washington. Now, I've got to tell this. Not too many people know, but Booker T. Washington used to live in Malden, West Virginia. Yes, West Virginia. Before the house fell into ruin, Granny Berger would make sure that every time we drove past it, she would say, there's Booker's house. <laughs> she and Granny Moody would take the grandkids to the dedication site on Route 60, where they had the bust of Booker T. Washington until it went missing. Yes, around the time I was in high school, officials found the bust of Booker T. Washington hanging from a tree by a noose in Campbell's Creek. Go figure. Yes, Campbell's Creek. Anyway, back to the dedication. She told us that during the dedication of the bust of Booker T. Washington, she said it was understood that the black folks sat on one side, the north side of Route 60, and the white folks sat on the south side of Highway 60. I thought that was interesting. Well, now, Booker T. Washington's bust sits at the state capitol lawn in Charleston, West Virginia, under spotlight and camera surveillance. Granny Berger, she didn't talk about it much. She, um, she lost her husband in the coal mines. There was a collapse in the tunnel and it was understood that he was crushed by a boulder. She never remarried, and as far as I understood, she never dated. I understood that she worked hard as, as a single mother, raising four kids. And as far as I knew, she never drove a car. I don't ever remember her having a driver's license. I remember her telling me one time, in one of the odd jobs that she took as a cleaning lady in a funeral home. She said she didn't stay there too long because one night one of the bodies in the casket rose up and let out a burp or some gas and laid back down in the casket. She said that night she beat the bus home. <laughs> Granny Berger said to me one time, if you're going to do things in life, you can't be shy. 
Well, that was a revelation. I wasn't shy. I just didn't do things by myself. It was either my cousin or my brother that was always around me. But once she said that, suddenly I knew I had to get rid of it. Whatever that was, I had to get rid of it. So, Granny Berger and I came up with a plan. <laughs> I knew Granny Berger enjoyed listening to Richard Pryor. So, the movie Stir Crazy was about to be released. The plan was for me to take a bus from Granny Moody's house to Granny Berger's apartment, pick her up, and then the two of us would go to the movie together. I suggested that we make it more adventurous and challenging by me taking the bus at night and seeing the late show. That is, if she was up for a late night movie. <laughs> well, Granny Berger was up for the challenge. Now, Granny Moody thought we had lost our minds and that we were both going stir crazy. <laughs> and I understood why. That was because I didn't ask her to drive me downtown. So I told her Granny Berger and I were working on something. The late night bus trip was successful. I met Granny Berger and we enjoyed the movie with popcorn. I had never seen her laugh so much and so loud. <laughs> I think she went through all the tissues in her purse. That night, she told me, I believe you're going to be okay going places. Not too long after that, I was coming home from school and Granny Berger was sitting in the living room. And I thought it was odd, not necessarily strange, but odd that Granny Berger was there at Granny Moody's house at that time of the afternoon, because, after all, it was close to Jeopardy time. So I didn't pay too much attention to it. I went on into my room and changed out of my school clothes, and I walked back through the house, headed towards the kitchen, and Granny Moody asked me, Do you smell anything strange? Well... I told her no, didn't think too much about that, and went on and fixed a sandwich. Or sandwich, as Granny Moody calls it. <laughs> so I sat down at the kitchen table and was about to eat my sandwich, and there Granny Moody was just staring at me and grinning. Big old grin. Well, I couldn't eat my sandwich at that point in time, so she says to me, are you sure you don't smell nothing? Well, I was like, why? And she says, because the doctors prescribed mama some cannabis for her pain. Well, <laughs> well, at that time, there were so many thoughts racing through my head. Shock, fear, fear for granny, worry worry for the family and then it got quiet in my mind and I remembered Granny Berger would wake up every morning and start the percolator and you haven't had coffee until you've tried percolated coffee well 
she would start her morning with prayer time. That prayer time, I understood, developed a relationship and not a religion. I also knew that I would need to explore that type of relationship myself. I also thought at that time that this thought was way too deep for me to have at this time. So I came back to my sandwich and looking at Granny staring at me. And it was one of those moments that you never forget. The thought that I grasped in my mind and I actually said out loud while looking at Granny Moody and her crazy grin, I said, well, how much have you smoked? And Granny Moody said, well, somebody had to roll it. (laughs) That year, Granny Moody buried her mother and her brother. She was now the family matriarch, the last in her line from Granny Berger. There was a heavy weight that fell over the family. It was a weight of maturity that we all realized we needed to step up to in order to support Granny Moody. So we all actually started living life deliberately. Looking back on it, a year after Granny Berger went home to be with the Lord, I got pushed into a nationwide competition to attend a congressional workshop on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Well, I felt that was meant to be, as if Granny Berger was pushing me into another nighttime bus ride experience, but only this time on a larger scale. I felt as if a door had opened up in front of me, and the room that it exposed was very large. And I had a choice to go in or not. Yes, the choice was mine. I also understood that later this would become a foundation by which I would go through other doors. <laughs> so, the Congressional Seminar was a life-changing experience. First, meeting Senator Byrd, I felt as if he gravitated towards me and simultaneously had a personal friendship with all the seminar winners from West Virginia. Then, there was my roommate for the seminar, which was the first time I had met someone outside my circle of family and friends that took their relationship, not religion, the relationship with the Lord seriously. So I didn't think myself nor my family weird any longer, only unique. And then there were the long-term friendships that would develop. Hey, come to think of it, maybe life can be looked at like a glass of champagne. As you sip, may the memories bubble up and tickle your nose and your glass overflows, and then you repeat again. (laughs) Thank you, Granny Berger. 
I wanted to let you know that here at Black Walnut Point Inn, we only serve your favorite brand of coffee. Yes, the original A&P brand of 8 o'clock coffee. So come visit us. I would love to tell you more stories over a cup. Well, friends, I hope you're all doing well and still hanging with us on this podcast journey. We are one chapter away from finishing the first book of Dual Citizen, The Connection. By now, I hope you also have reached a level of association with the characters in order to advance to the second book, The Training. Seeing that we are in the year 2020 and coming up on Pentecost, the tall, shiny silver figure has impressed upon me to push the presence of angels and their activities in the life of the believer through the examples in the training. Such activities will become more frequent and noticeable as I run through them from my own experiences. You'll see them in your life as well. So please note, without a connection, meaning a relationship, the training will be difficult to see. So, let's all put on our brand new 2020 glasses and see what's going on behind the scenes. <laughs>